0: Welcome to TNT with Teresa Quinlan.
1: And Reese Thomas. We are friends from across the pond on a life evolution.
0: We want to bring you topics that challenge your status quo.
1: Guests that help you think differently.
0: And nuggets of wisdom that spark being. Being what? You, authentic you. Welcome everybody, T at T joining together one-to-one to to discuss the idea that self-care is definitely no longer in the realms of a luxury a nice to have something that is actually a necessity, especially given the experiences we've all had over the last 12 months. So the question was, how could we as leaders incorporate this idea of self-care into the values of your business, your practice and, and make it part of your culture? to try and better insulate our tribe, our community, Mm. Um, because it's not always easy. Jeff at home or Sandra at home might not be able to have the time. They've got three kids there or they're on their own. There are all these other real-life experiences which get in the way of all our best intentions. We all know that the self-care is important and the steps that we can take and the advantages it will bring to us, but that still (laughs) often comes smack in the face of reality and, and what we actually have to deal with day-to-day, especially by me as a stay-at-home dad, most of the time at the moment, I find it often difficult to dedicate set times for the self-care, especially in the morning, because my daughter, who's nearly three, getting up first thing in the morning is is kind of her thing, so it doesn't necessarily, I have to get up super early if I want to uh, beat the crowd and, and get that sort of meditation in or something, which, which does sometimes happen, but Often we get caught in practices and we think, oh well, I set this time aside and it's sacred and if I miss that, oh I, and then you start filling these narratives about oh I let myself down, or I should have done that, or why didn't I do this? or now the whole day is going to be, all these stories just start spinning out of control. and it's not until maybe we get that time to do that self-care again that we can address them and notice them and allow them to wash through. Everyone who saw us teach me, oh get up in the morning, do your meditation, do this kind of stuff. I was like, okay, so that's how it's done. That's how I should do it. Oh, reality check. I can't do that. <laughs> Maybe once or twice a week, I can do that. Oh, does that mean I can't really do it? And it was only through the practice and I speaking to other people and understanding that it doesn't matter how or, or why or what or how much you're doing, as long as you can have a moment, ideally daily, where you can do this. It doesn't have to be meditation or journey. It can be something as simple as walking the dog or, or cooking or reading a book, anything that gives you some kind of joy some kind of happiness Mm -hmm. some kind of escape some kind of ability to step back from whatever you're dealing with nine to five and having a little release from that and not allowing that to build up on top of you and then you add on your own story like oh I haven't done this I'm I'm letting myself down or whatever it might be or the opposite of that is you're not turning it inwards, you're turning it outwards and you're chastising the, the child or the, the work colleague or whoever and, and they're preventing you from doing this thing that you've set in your mind You have to, has to be done every day at a set time. So freeing yourself to let go of that expectation on yourself, mm-hmm. I think, is really important. Whether you talk about self-care, self-compassion, self-regard, self-respect, you know, having that shift, for me, definitely, I would always associate that with being Selfish, like I can't put myself first, I can't put my needs before someone else's, whether it's a parent or a husband or co worker or a boss. Whereas now people are more accepting of that, people who understand that, and and people may even respect that. Oh wow, it's Jeff's time for his meditation now. He's got to go and have his his hour for his lunch, but half of that's for meditating, 10 minutes is for walking, whatever it might be. So, having these things in place is no longer just a luxury, it is a necessity.
1: I'd like to find the person who started the phrase, self-care is a luxury, not a necessity, (laughs) because that set us on this path of believing that our self-care is selfish, of believing that if I take time for myself, to contribute to or feed into my energy reservoir, because basically our self-care activities contribute to our energy reservoir. Those are the things that help us to manage our emotional well-being, our mental well-being, our physical well-being, spiritual well-being. And when we take a look at building up that reservoir in those four areas, the higher our well-being, the easier it is for us to manage anything that comes at us from the external world. We, it's like we're putting on armor, healthy armor, good armor, not defensive armor, great armor that helps us with our stress management practices that helps us to manage our impulse control. So instead of reacting, we respond that, that helps us to intentionally choose empathy that helps us to stay emotionally self-aware and go, hang on a second. I'm about to blow up at something, but I don't even have all the information yet. Chill. And I think that initial belief that self-care is selfish, that self-care is a luxury has led to some of those things like the 4am club. Like, look, we get it. You're not going to have a crap load of time, but here's one way to do it is get up before the crack of dawn, really bloody early before everybody else and start doing these things. It's a great solution to one of the problems is I don't have enough time to dedicate to what everyone else is asking me. And also what I know I need. So what am I going to do? I'll sacrifice myself, hello, ego, so that I can give more to everyone else. And that'll make me look like the hero. That'll make me look like the martyr. And those are generally seen in very positive ways. So I'm going to do that instead of choosing myself first, instead of choosing other people. Well, that looks selfish, doesn't it? Someone said it was selfish, so it must mean that it's selfish. We can easily prove the point that there is more than one road to us. The yellow brick road is not the only way. Getting up at the crack of dawn in order to give time to yourself is not the only way to be able to boost our energy reservoir. We can do it at any time during the day in any way that serves us. So whether we're exercising or we're meditating or we're spending time with loved ones, we're reading a book, we're painting, engaging in a hobby, we're eating well. Most of us know it doesn't take much for us to not do in the realm of self-care, for us to eat into our energy reservoir and then behave in a toxic way. We have phrases for it, like hangry. I didn't eat (laughs) in the last three hours. And now someone's like, whoa, are you hangry, hungry, angry? I'm angry because I'm hungry. So a simple self-care strategy like having something to eat, I neglected to do. And now this toxic behavior is rippling through everything. In organizations, we definitely measure the toxic ripple. And then perhaps not enough, do we look at those input metrics of self-care? So I might be measuring your performance and saying, what's wrong with you? Maybe you're not skilled enough. You're not motivated enough. But what might be wrong is that I have not dedicated any time to those self-care strategies that boost my energy reservoir. So I might have all the skills and all the motivation in the world. And this is what's getting in my way. And so we have to be able to, like you said, give the time for our people intentionally during work days because sometimes that is their only time for private time or quiet time or exercise time meditation time because they have life happening in the home that maybe more easily distracts them or makes it much more difficult to do. And if I want peak performance from my team, I have to be able to make sure they have the time to do those self-care things.
0: So that reminds me of another sort of widely held belief that When it comes to performing and getting ahead as a business thing, you really need to grind every last drop of, uh, and anything you can get out of your team, you know, any time not producing or working is time wasted. Whereas now there've been lots of studies and experiments and data statistics to show that, you know, when you actually designate set time, whether it's every Friday afternoon or every Friday, you know, it's it's a personal day, you know, you have time to work on something yourself. however you wanted to construct it. And so I know that well-being is important for you and in your 30-day courses that you do online, uh, that's a big focus. And when you yeah. work with organizations as well, yeah. I'm trying to think of, you know, because obviously the bigger the organization, the more diversity there'll be, the more options you need to give. And I'm reminded back to schools day where you'd have like four or five, six different things that you could choose rather than a case of everyone does meditating for 30 minutes every Friday afternoon. It could be a question of these are five things that we know can impact you and help you. Maybe you can even be involved in the decision-making and how to choose what five things you as a collective tribe community in the workplace would be most interested in. It gives that choice element to it. So you're still getting the end result. You want to empower and recharge your, your team, but it's not a prescribed way or it's not an overtly prescribed way. It's giving them the option that they're choosing it and so they have better take up of the idea it's not, um, not a mandated obligation they can choose we can have our individual stuff but how do i then go above and beyond that as the leader to really build on those foundations build and strengthen the community which really leads back into the improved work performance because then also that's that's the other thing that's really important is that creativity spot you're talking about recharging or replenishing those energy supplies and especially in the kind of work that we're doing it's very much about investing in whoever we're working with so it's taking a lot of our time and energy even if we're not conscious of it to help the other person have that shift or change unless you're really consciously refilling that bucket to use one of your phrases you're doing yourself a disservice you're doing you know your clients a disservice your family whatever it might be so in your experience of working with organizations is there a sort of these team activities that you think embody self-care I know that we've all been to team building days and and (laughs) how do we cross this imaginary bridge and how do we build this thing do you think those play activities still hold sway do you think they would help in in a self-care way in in a different way
1: Well, it tackles two things that are really important in self-care or that are really important to our well-being is engagement in things that we find meaning in. So when we engage in things that are meaningful to us, whether it's painting, a book club, exercise, poetry, photography, any hobby, spending time in it then makes that area of our life fulfilling. And when we achieve fulfillment, then we have an elevated sense of well-being so it contributes to that piece and then when we're doing it in community it contributes to our connection piece our tribal connection piece that is important for our well-being so it really does serve two very critical areas to our overall sense of well-being our happiness our joy and happiness is a key predictor for success so as an organization being able to provide spaces for people to do that is a direct contributor to that individual success performance success I've seen organizations do things like build nap rooms build games rooms like pool and ping pong and darts build uh, meditation spaces much like high school offer opportunities for clubs Janet in accounting is running a book club if you'd like to participate in the book club you can Sean in marketing is doing a photography club. If you're interested in photography, it's Fridays at lunchtime. So I've seen organizations do that and do it specifically under identified pillars of well-being. And then we'll also find organizations like with my husband's benefit plan, what ends up happening is he gets to select how he wants his benefit dollars and how he wants to spend them he can check a box that says, I want to spend some of my benefit dollars at golf. He goes golfing and can submit that receipt for reimbursement under his benefits plan. So instead of it being a structured formula, the company has given a very free, flexible way of making it available to their employees to choose. This way you don't get pigeonholed into Maybe I am a handful of employees where nothing the company offers actually suits what I'm interested in. And so now I become disgruntled and resentful towards not being serviced. The next piece is that leadership piece, regardless of what the company has in play. A leader has to hold people accountable to that input of self-care. So if I don't engage in conversation with my employees and asking them, how are you taking care of yourself? How are you amplifying your well-being, How are you increasing your energy reservoirs? If I don't engage in those conversations and hold them accountable to doing those kinds of things, then it doesn't matter what the company has in place. If the leader is guiding people to give every last drop of blood that they have to their work, then that leader can undermine everything that a company is trying to do. So we really rely on leadership to be able to close the gap or bridge between organizational frameworks and employee doing, making sure that what we're calling our culture actually comes to life day in and day out. So when I was leading people, sometimes by Thursday, end of day, they had worked 10 hours a day. They're at their 40 hour and I knew that that's where they were at. And I would have a call with them on Friday morning and ask them, why are you at work? And they're like, what do you mean? It's Friday. I'm supposed to be at work. I'm like, you've already worked 40 hours. Why are you at work today? You should be done. Oh, but I still have a few things to do. No, you don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've given enough time to work this week. You're not behind the eight ball. There's no deadline looming today. Take the day off. You earned it. You already gave enough time here. Go be with your kids, do a workout, have a bath, do some shopping today, whatever it happens to be. So leaders are responsible, I think, twofold in recognizing when employees are pushing themselves behind the eight ball and stopping that behavior and recognizing when they are investing in their self-care and encouraging it to keep happening.
0: Wow. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the leader needs to model these things, but then they also need to have awareness of things. So your example is uh, perfect to that because you're kind of aware that they're they're working or how they've done all these hours. Uh, actually, what came to mind was how, where did that come from from you? Because this is obviously some time ago. It wasn't the benefit of you know living in this LinkedIn community bubble world. This is kind of stuff we talk about day in, day out. When you were out there, pre LinkedIn days, pre uh, pre emotional intelligence coaching days, mm-hmm. how where did that come from? Was that directly from the top? That's how they treated you, so that's how you treated them. But I'm guessing that's probably not the answer. So the question is, where did that come from? Where did that inspiration come from? You to be like, it's Friday, you've already done forty hours, get out of here. Like,
1: <laughs> so one my own practices of recognizing when I put in a certain number of hours, I had a tipping point. And when nobody noticed that tipping point, I felt like, oh, I was sort of a lone island. So, you know, the ego tends to flare up a little bit. It's like, why am I working so hard and nobody's noticing and all of that? I'm like, hang on a second. I just did that to myself. (laughs) It's all personal responsibility for those kinds of things. Two, I did have leaders where sleep, exercise, nutrition, self-care, these pillars of our wellness were important. They asked about it and they encouraged it. Perhaps not all the way to the level that I had done. In fact, my leader was the leader of all of my peers. So a VP of a department with multiple departments. At one point in my career, during a one-on-one meeting, she had mentioned to me that my peers were coming to her to, I'm going to say complain. I wouldn't call it feedback. I would say complaining about my employees talking to their employees about what I do for my people so that I let them work whenever they work because a lot of them had small children. So. Sometimes they would get up at six before their kids would get up and they'd work a couple of hours and then they'd have breakfast and get their kids ready and bring them over to daycare or to school. So they would take about a two hour break and get a workout in and do all of these sorts of things to manage that. And then they'd come back to work and then they'd pick their kids up at three thirty, and then they might work a little bit in the evening to be able to get their tasks completed for the day. For performance reviews, I would take them treetop trekking or to a spa or whatever. I used the money because we were allotted a certain amount of money every year per employee to do these kinds of things with. So I would use that money and do these kinds of things while also doing their performance review. And so my peers employees were like, I don't get any of that. Why is Teresa allowed to do that with her people? And my boss came and said, I'm going to need you to either maybe stop it or be a little bit more secretive, like tell your people not to talk about what you guys are doing. And I was like, No, like hell no, Like, do your job. Talk to them about why they aren't leading their people, why they don't have enough tools in their toolkit to know for this person, I need X, Y, and Z. For that person, I need A, B, and C. For this other person over here, I need M, Q, and X. (laughs) Maybe teach them how to lead people best for engagement and performance. It literally is not rocket science. I, I even said, if they would like to have a conversation with me about how I go about doing that and making those decisions, because it's not the same for every employee. Every employee of mine had something different because they all had different needs. We never missed a deadline. We never missed a project deliverable. We never missed quality. People took their vacation days. I had hundred percent retention of my team for five years it was like, these are all good results that we measure. And so basically I was like, no, do your job and help them do their job better.
0: Wow. Does
1: You're that right. even answer, like your question was, how did you learn how to do that?
0: No, well, I'll come back to that in a minute, but it, was okay. just, it seemed from what you were saying there, often when someone is a big proponent of this thing, it must be because you had that experience and you loved it and you wanted to share it, which is true and it's definitely one avenue. But in my experience, it's actually the absence of something which motivates the focus on something which you then try to give back and pay forward to your team, your client, whatever it is you're working with. I was guessing from as you were speaking then that you've gone through all those steps, you tried all those different letters with yourself and you'd figured out, I need a bit more of X, Y and Z and another day I might need A, B, C. And I know that I can't have the same set pattern or one size doesn't fit all. And I Mm. need to know that. Then I also need to be flexible enough to create something almost bespoke for every single employee that I've done. Is that the case? Is it because you're you're describing your leader, your, your boss, your VP, whilst he was giving you that flexibility and one, like one of the things he was doing was great But what, rather than admonishing you and saying either stop it or do it secretly like that's that's, that that one really uh
1: yeah that one got my face a little red a little red (laughs) because you know a core value of the company was integrity and i'm like hell no i'm not going to do that don't ask me to compromise not just my own value but also our company values that's when i out loud said i think you need to do your job like you need to talk to them about where their gaps are and how they can lead because you are obviously aware of how i lead my people And you have no problem with it. But now because it's a problem for them, because they don't want to perhaps talk to their people about why they're not letting them do these kinds of things. (laughs) Now you're asking me to change. Now it's a problem? Makes no sense, right? So a lot of fear-based sort of knee-jerk reactions in that whole thing is I don't want to hold them accountable to leading well. So a lot of the elements of... How I became a leader was mass consumption of leadership books and thought leaders in leadership and emotional intelligence and personal well being and personal development. No one book is ever the Bible. We understand what that phrase means, is that no one book is the end-all be-all of how to do things, which in mass consumption of books for leadership and how to lead, it isn't about reading a book and going, oh, this is the way I'm supposed to do it. It's about reading a book and going, ooh, what's the new tool I get to learn from this book that I get to add to my toolbox? in leadership, the more tools you can acquire, the better leader you will be because you have to lead the individual that's across from you. You don't adopt a leadership style and then everyone gets that style. You might have a default style. Perhaps you're a heart-based leader. You're a coach-based leader. You're a autocratic leader. You're a laissez-faire leader, servant leader. You could have a default style, but the tools in that style will not be enough tools to lead everyone that becomes part of your team or your circle or your tribe or your company. So you have to learn other tools and skills to be a great leader.
0: Yeah. So true. I mean, the, the this, this idea that whatever your practice or your method is a new thing you take on board book practice, it liberates you. It frees you from this thing, but the more you do it, the more you rely on it, the more it just turns into another trap. So mm. the Buddha would say, you use the boat to get across the river. But once you're across the river, there's no need to keep carrying the boat on your back. You know, you, you can set that down. And so from a leader point of view, you might have to cross the river many times in many different boats while still maintaining awareness and knowledge of each of the different boats. Keep going back and forth, taking different colleague across each in a different boat all the time learning a little bit from each of these things and being able to let go of some of these other things and then all of those things which I'm you know kind of I see how your evolution went you learn all these different things so that you are able to immediately or relatively quickly outline what deaf and accounting needed compared to what Sandra in marketing didn't know she needed but <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah that's right
0: yeah
1: um, I think like I want I want to know what you think about this as well I think when we come back to self-care and the necessity of it, is the menu of options for our self-care is determined by us. While I might believe that sleep, exercise, nutrition are pillars for everyone, not everyone is going to put sleep, exercise, nutrition at the top of their list because their needs are different. We have to be, you use the word flexible, I think that's a great word, open-minded, you have to understand that individuals know what is best for them and be able to give them the space to figure that out. So in your journey, what have you figured out works best for your self-care?
0: I think for me, it's learning. It's always been learning something new, whether it's a book or practice or a method. And I think I know that, you know, running is a hugely important pillar of your life and has been for Mm -hmm. many years and, probably will always be and you're never going to change but for me it, it's a phrase i would learned it's like it's called the half-life of enthusiasm so whether, sometimes it's in a business setting or a sales situation or with a client you know you got someone you're interested and you're trying to close them and you realize that if you don't really do it in that day or maybe the next day that half-life of enthusiasm even if they've been really really interested and wanted to sign up but time kills deals or you know that sort of idea mm-hmm. And I think for me, the same is when I'm doing a practice. If I get too dependent on it or too repetitive with it, it starts to lose interest for me. Um, I think we talked the other day about uh, when we went to university and you're studying all these things, you're like, oh, it'll take lots of time and I'm really passionate about it, I really love it. But the more you do it, you've really, really got to love these things. Like same with the business, you know, because you're going to be doing it every day. It's going to be really hard. You're going to have all these knocks and every high is going to be great but every low is going to be even lower and it kind of just whittles away at that that plane that passion that you've got so for me any practices that I do I'm always conscious and maybe not always but since working with with my coach at the moment it's about connecting with that inner child that that it's about creativity doing something completely different new as I sort of alluded to earlier it puts you out of that I don't want to say put you out of your comfort zone because that's a kind of very
1: mm-hmm.
0: trite sort of phrase to say, but it breaks that cycle. Our brain is kind of hardwired to put us into a routine to feel safe, to feel in control. But it's only when we do those new things, like when you're a kid and you go and always explore, everything is new, you're always happy to do these things. And maybe you don't do them again, but maybe they inspire you to do something else. Mm-hmm. But if you just stayed in this one lane all the time, Another phrase, which I don't really like, like just stay in your lane. You know, I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. I would get completely bored, fall asleep at the wheel if I was just yeah. in the same lane the entire time. I've got to cross, I've got to take these turns, I've got to see what happens and around the roundabout a few times and come back and see what happens. But I hope that answered your question that any practice that I do, I enjoy. I don't get too committed to it again with the self care. If I don't do meditation one day, I'm not like, when I first started, I was like, I have to do this every day. And if I miss a day, then, oh, I'm in trouble. And I
1: that love little
0: that. black mirrors some of these other negative things, talk that you have about yourself or over your life, or you, you've quit this, or you didn't do that. And it's just another, you're just replaying that, that pattern. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you let go of that attachment to that, and then you just see the potential in new experiences, trying a new sport, reading a new book, uh, totally new podcast, putting on a, a live virtual event that you've never done before just because you you know that it'll inspire you and, and, and spark something in that creativity because I feel like we're all here to be creators and we're all here to create something and, and and igniting that creative frequency I think is really important, especially after the last 12 months of very closing down everything mm. or a tightening of everything. I'm struggling for the right word here, but a contrition. Friction. Of, yeah. Whereas now is the time to expand and always in in the winter time, it's an opportunity to kind of reflect. Sow those seeds of things that are going to come to bear fruit in in the summer, that sort of thing. So this creativity spark or, or being in that creative space, yes, you're manifesting something new. Often when I'm doing that, I'm getting like flashes of all the different things, other ideas, and I'll scribble them down you what they are the next time we have a chat and you're like oh yeah that's a good idea or, mm-hmm. no, that's not really good. doing those different things and mixing it up and changing it as soon as you find yourself being in the routine change something keep giving your giving yourself the opportunity for something new to come in and maybe for you that's just changing the route that you do you're running you're still doing the yes. same thing you just change the route
1: which perhaps points to have catalogue Of self-care investments in a catalog that also has blank pages. So it's populated with things and there's many pages blank for me to continue to populate what self-care really means to me. And then the commitment perhaps of recognizing when I need a self-care strategy. Proactive self-care, sometimes more beneficial so we don't hit the valley of despair, but oftentimes we can't predict what's going to be coming our way and how we'll respond to it. And so we often will need self-care strategies in the moment or reactive to those situations. It doesn't mean that they don't work. They absolutely will work. Sometimes we have to double up on them. Client of mine recently lost a pet and went through a deep stage of grief. We use Marco Polo. She reached out and she's like, I I need some EQ guidance on how, because I'm stuck in this grief. And I was like, there's no magic pill here. (laughs) You are doing all of the things for your self-care. You're exercising, you're meditating, you're doing your affirmations, you're spending time with loved ones. This is one of those moments where you have to sit and allow the emotion to occur, allow the grief, allow that valley of despair. It will go away. Time is your best friend here. You just have to let it happen. At the end of the day, a few important things to remember is that self-care doesn't look the same for everyone. So we have to be open-minded and allow that variety to exist. When we're leading, it's important for us to model self-care and then also really care enough about our employees to ask them about their self-care practices and give them the time to do them when they need them, because that will snowball into so many good things, a deeper level of trust, a deeper level of compassion, more well-being in the workplace, greater resiliency, engagement in their work. And that all equals performance. Hmm. And then maybe the last piece is our life is an evolution. So a self-care practice that worked for us in our teens may not work for us in our 20s, but might return in our 30s and be valuable again. It's not this one way or the highway. It's so many different varieties and options. And being open to the possibilities is a way that I think we allow And get back to self care as a necessity, not a luxury. We just start to reverse this statement and this belief that it's selfish in any way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, 100%. I like the analogy of the blank page and it doesn't need to be too constrained. It's an evolution because even in a routine, you're not going to face the same problems and experiences day in, day out. So if you develop a coping mechanism, which is kind of what we're talking about here if you're, you're being reliant on on something that you do every day you could extrapolate that out and say well is it self-care or is it just a coping mechanism that you're kind of doing and, and if you're getting too attached to it is it really serving you in the way that it was originally having the exposure to multiple solutions gives you the tools in your belt as you like to say to help yourself but then also to offer that to other people if you want to be in that kind of leading positions and and hey if if your idea of self-care is just going home and watching netflix for three hours a day
1: Fine. that's
0: cool yeah that, that, that's good it's, it's something as long as you're doing something then i guess that's the message we're trying to share here um, yeah
1: but i think as long as you're doing something that contributes to your energy reservoir, not depleting from it. So if three hours of Netflix or scrolling social media is depleting your energy reservoir, then it's an unhealthy practice in self-care. But if it's amplifying your energy reservoir, then it's working for you. Go ahead and do it. This is why the one size doesn't fit all. This is why someone's opinion of you shouldn't have a glass of wine to help you decompress. But it's, it's topping up my energy reservoir. Then it's working. It's doing what it's supposed to be doing.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a really good point to end on is give yourself the opportunity to experience as many things as you want and then also give yourself that self-worth to understand that, okay, I liked a little bit of this exercise but most of it is not really going to work for me and not beat yourself up about or you've either got to commit to this or you don't do it, you can't just pick and choose and and (laughs) you can do something and not like it for you. And that's great too because it might show you that, you know, this wasn't my strength maybe I'll try something completely different. And that'll lead to awakening, understanding moment. So yeah, 100% not a luxury, 100% a necessity, and 100% not selfish. Let's put that one to bed.
1: Thank you, BFF. Thank you to our listeners. And until next time, take care of yourself. Thanks for listening to this episode of TNT.
0: Please share, subscribe, rate and review.
1: And when you're ready for your personal evolution, check out Reese at trueselfcoaching.com.
0: And for your emotional intelligence revolution, check out Teresa at iqeqtq.com.